We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. I'm joined as always by my host, Nick Filato. And tonight we're coming to you after the Giants blew out the Philadelphia Eagles. What year is it today, Nick? Is it really the year 2023? I can't remember the Giants blowing out the Eagles in God knows how long. And I know the circumstances are what the circumstances are. The Eagles rested their starters for most of the second half. Yeah, there was 24 to nothing. After 24 to nothing. In the first half, the Giants went up 24 to nothing. The Giants threw for 233 yards passing in a half. I didn't even think the Giants possibly could throw for 233. They barely made it to 233 in a game over their last five years of football. We've been seeing 200 and under yard passing games. The Giants threw for 250 yards passing today. They threw for 297, 250 plus. This was the first time the Giants had consecutive 250 yard passing games since 2019. First time 250 or more in two games in a row <laughs> since 2019. It's 2023. That was four seasons ago. And they almost became Tyrod today was three yards short from becoming. And, you know, they wanted to get him there on that last drive. The first 300 yard passer in back to back games since 2019 as well. It's been a while, but the Giants were explosive in the first half. They looked awesome. Tyrod Taylor just has some of the best deep ball throws you're going to see. And I know that he's a backup and everybody's going to say whatever. He's injured, this and that. I get it. But I, I, I got to tell you, if I'm the Falcons right now and I got no chance at any quarterback upgrade this season, I'm looking into Tyrod Taylor. If I had Tyrod Taylor instead of Tyler Heineke and whatever other idiot Desmond Ritter this year, I feel like I got a shot if I'm Atlanta because he's going to be diming up Drake London down the field and Kyle Pitts vertically as well, because this dude throws good footballs, but obviously he has his mistakes too, but it was exciting, Nick, and I leaned into it once the game got rolling. Obviously, draft position is important to me. The Giants, ultimately, things the way they fell, Nick, it wouldn't have mattered that much. They would have picked fifth instead of sixth because the Cardinals weren't able to pull it off, and because of um, the Chargers losing to the Chiefs, which sucks, because we that would have helped the Giants, and just the Cardinals winning also would have helped because it would have made that Seahawks second round pick better for the Giants. It's just unlucky there. Um, so it didn't really ultimately hurt their draft position that much. One pick it hurts a little, obviously, especially if you're looking to trade up. But to blow out the Eagles, to embarrass them, to just have them going into the playoffs, like just looking like shit or utter shit. And almost this is the thing I wanted, Nick, that I didn't get. At one point in the game, the Giants were up 24 to nothing. If they had won the game, if the final score was. I think the Giants end up winning by uh, 17. Um, if they had held Mariota in that last red zone drive, 
not only would I have won my live under, but more importantly, the Giants would have held the Eagles to a negative points differential for the season if they won, like, <laughs> which is crazy for an eleven and five or you know eleven and sixteen. Like just yeah. wild that Eagles season has been really wild. I have no faith that I'm not like worried at all about the no. Eagles this postseason. Now that's when they'll probably screw us and they'll probably like put it together somehow. But like I just don't see it this year with that team. And I I'm excited for the Giants, the guys like Sterling Shepard who got out there and. Nick, before I turn it over to you, I wanted to make one quick rant because something bothered me about Giants Twitter yesterday. On Giants Twitter, a few people, some I like, some whatever, went off on this whole tangent rant about how pathetic the Giants are because they're honoring Sterling Shepard by allowing him to walk out in the in the opening, um, uh, you know, what is it called? Announcements for the team. This is such total crap, dude. Like, what are you worried about? It's not like they're celebrating him in the ring of honor. They're just giving him a small token of their appreciation for a guy who's blocked his ass off on every play, runs 60 yards downfield to block, comes in, they ask him to do insert blocks at 180 pounds, catches everything that's thrown to him, tough as hell at the catch point, great route runner, like had injuries. I get it. He didn't have that many production. He didn't have the production people want in the yards. Guess what? Part of that is because he's had fucking horrible quarterback and offensive line play for most of his career. So like, just enjoy it. Like the fact that fans got all mad about that, Nick, and put it on Twitter and put all that negative out there. Like, imagine if you're Sterling Shepard, you read that. That feels like shit. Like, it's just such a lame ass BS. Like, be frustrated all you want for this franchise potentially turning back to Jones if that's something you're frustrated with, or for how, you know, they really haven't progressed that much in the last decade. But don't get mad over something like allowing Sterling Shepard to come out of the tunnel first with his teammates, like in his final game with the team. That, that to me, just bothered me, Nick. So that was where I was at. I wanted to get that off my chest before we get going on the game. Now I want to hear from you. Yeah, the game. Yeah. And also, I have no problem with the Giants giving a little tip of the cap to yeah. Sterling Shepard, who was the longest tenured New York Giant. Look, there's a lot to take away from this football game. I'm personally reveling in the victory. I know it's going to cost the Giants one draft slot. Right now, the Giants, according to Tankathon, they have the sixth pick, they have the 39th pick, they have the 47th pick. That's three picks in the top 50. And then their third round pick, their third round pick is the 70th. So three, four picks in the top 70, not a terrible position for the New York Giants to be in, but I would love to be at first and second. That's not what happened, but beating the Eagles and embarrassing them up 24 to nothing. I never thought the Giants would be up 24 to nothing against the Philadelphia freaking Eagles. I will take that. And everyone's like, oh, well, they bench their guys that have, dude, it was 24 to nothing. Jalen Hurts was getting harassed because Wink Martindale was dialing up the pressure. Every single type of pressure and blitz, Wink Martindale was throwing at Jalen Hurts. The point where he was getting popped, they tried the tush push. Bobby O'Karake said, nah, Carl Banks taught me this. I'm going to jump mm -hmm. over and I'm going to hit you. I'm going to teach you a little lesson there. Bobby O'Karake on the blitz up the A-gap, runs over, uh, who was it, Kenneth Gainwell or Boston Scott, whoever the hell it was, maybe it was Rashad Penny, and then hits Jalen Hurts, hurts his finger. I'm not looking for Jalen Hurts to get hurt, but it's just the fact that the Giants were getting in their heads and getting after them. We have not talked or seen the Giants do that. I wish I could have do it, did it more consistently throughout the 2023 season, which was a pathetic, an absolutely pathetic season. But to end it, it's pleasant for me to witness yeah. the New York Giants go out on this note. And it also shows you that they're not quitting on this freaking coaching staff, which was something that we approached and talked about what maybe about six weeks ago we're like yo we got to see down the stretch if this is a joe judge type of finish in 2020 maybe brian table's gonna get a two-year no of course not they came out they played and then you see just the upside of tyrod taylor and you see the upside of a quarterback who was willing to throw to every part of the football field the corner to wandell robinson you had yes. the slant to wandell <laughs> robinson which was beautiful you had the deep passes to slate and you had the deep passes to hyatt i want to see that 
consistently. And the one to Barkley up the sidelines, dude. Absolutely love seeing that from Tyrod Taylor. You also saw some quarterback carousel with Tyrod Taylor who got injured. Tommy DeVito came in, got injured. Tyrod Taylor came back in and then it just kept going back and forth, back and forth. But I think it was a pleasant way to end one of the most pathetic seasons we've seen. Just an absolute letdown of a season, but at least they went out beating the crap out of the team that I despise more than any other team. Uh, Dallas Cowboys might have something to say about that though. It's close for me too. I, my brother hates the Eagles more than the Cowboys and he always questions why I kind of I don't hate the Cowboys more, but I'm like more okay with the Eagles winning because the Eagles won recently that Super Bowl. So like they've snapped yeah. that streak. The Cowboys, it's been so long that I want that to continue on. I want to continue to make the jokes of like, here, here, I'll show you the Cowboys last Super Bowl yeah. run. It's a VHS tape. Like <laughs> you gotta put it one, in, dude. you gotta find a VHS play. But um I want to unpack a couple things you said. The first one being what this win might mean for the coaching staff. So you saw after the game, John Mara told reporters, and he hasn't spoken much to reporters. That's Giants no. owner John Mara. And he said, I'm really happy with this win. Any win is a good win, but especially this win. And, you know, that's a win that he's talking about in a lost season with no playoff. So that really shows you, especially this one, how much it means to him to beat the Eagles in a fashion like this when the Eagles are essentially before the day playing for the division. I know Dallas ended up blowing out Washington, but there was a point in that game where Dallas was down like 10-7 and the Giants are up like 17-0 or 24-0. So at that point, you can't just say the Giants beat up on the backups of the Eagles. They, you know, the Eagles were playing for it at that point. So I want to say what that means for John Mayer. And I know some fans didn't like that comment from John Mayer. And I understand your frustration with us, with us continuing to get ourselves in this position of like the season's actually over, but we win these games down the stretch. And then the owner says, oh my God, that's amazing. I like what I'm seeing and I like what I'm doing. Let's run it back next year. He did that with Gettleman a couple of times. Obviously he did that with Eli in 2018 and, and Daniel Jones at times but to me what's more important is if John Merrick can recognize what he saw this year that to me and I know to you Nick though I know you know you may may not want to speak on it or you know I'm not asking you to is quite obvious from the eye test standpoint and from the production standpoint which is what went down at quarterback this year the games that Daniel Jones was in versus the da games Daniel Jones was out and I, I I what's more important to me is not Merrick over uh, you know over What's the word overestimating what these wins are worth? It's it's him recognizing what's happening at quarterback, what needs to happen at quarterback and what may not happen at quarterback with the current quarterback they have. And that's what's really going to be important with this guy. It can't just be, uh, you know, oh, we, now we see everything is fine. Let's just improve around and figure out things. They, they need to have an explosive element to their pass game to have any chance. It's what Brian Dable's system needs. It's what any good offense needs in the NFL. But more specifically, it fits this Dable system. And we've seen it now. We've seen it in back-to-back -back games with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. And I don't care who it is. If it's Jones, fine. If they can figure out a way to mentally unlock Jones again and get him back to 2019 or whatever, fine. But it can't just be status quo. It can't go back to the grinded-out style of 2022 because that's fool's gold. And you're not going to win Super Bowls by trying to have it repeat your 2022 season over and over again because you're not going to face the AFC South every year, quite frankly. So to me, I'm not overestimating that Mara part of it. But I will say this. If this win does make a difference in Wink Martindale coming back or not, Nick, consider me happy about that one point right there because I'm pro-Wink. I know some people are out on Wink. They feel like he only beats up on bad, bad quarterbacks, Nick. But I counter that by telling them how many first round picks have they given wink and how many first round picks have you been used on this defense Kayvon banks and nothing not a lot of seconds they've been pouring assets into the offense pouring 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 over the last five drafts so give wink a little bit more talent on the outside at corner maybe maybe we can get something more out of z's next year a healthy aziz he looked okay in this game i thought at times nick uh, yeah. had a couple moments so I don't know if this means Wink comes back. That, those are the two parts for me. And and the other part is what you said, the explosive element in the passing game. Like you said, using all areas of the field, 
those are the two big things right there. We we know what we need here, and we just have to attack it and approach it in the offseason. Yeah, of course. We've been talking about explosive plays from the offense since what? I don't even remember. It's before the start of this season. That was an issue last year when they finished dead last. So it was pleasant to see it. And uh, I want to talk on some of these giants, though, Dan. Because some yep. of these giants, it could have been their last game. Sterling Shepard, it was his last game. Yeah. I think they gave a good send out to Sterling Shepard. And I've always had a lot of respect for him. We've already talked a decent amount about him. But Xavier McKinney had one hell of a game, right? One hell of a game. Two interceptions. Looked like the 2021 Xavier McKinney, who was used all over the field, made that interception with range along the sideline, got both feet in bounds. Xavier McKinney, 24 years old. Saquon Barkley, been the face of the franchise since the Giants drafted him. What do you have? Two touchdowns in this game? Had a long pass up the sideline? Might not see him again. Might not see 26 again in a Giants uniform, right? So those two are the, are the two primary ones that, that come to mind for me. But then you also have a Dory Jackson who will likely not be back as a New York Giant. So some big names around the Giants yeah. franchise who might not be New York Giants any longer. And I think the conversation, it's going to bleed into the offseason. But the one that I'm really looking at, and I'm like, I think the Giants got to find a way to bring this guy back. It's Xavier McKinney, man. At that age, with all the things that he does around the line of scrimmage, sacking the quarterback, in-run support, deep in the post, robber, all that man coverage. When he, he had a couple plays on Dallas Goddard where he was all over. I think one of the two of them, Goddard did make the catch, but he was all over him and man coverage. So, man, I was really impressed with what we saw from X-Man out there. And that'll be a big topic of conversation for you and I, Nick, on our off-season pods. Bending free agents. Barkley, what do we want to do there? What do we expect to happen there? What will happen there? And then Xavier McKinney, what do we want to do? What do we expect? I would agree with you. My priority number one is definitely Xavier McKinney over Saquon Barkley right now, given the yeah. age factor, given the positional factor, given all of that. Now, I think it's a true test, in my opinion, when we talk about Xavier McKinney, because, you know, when I put that out on Twitter, I think a few months ago, how I wanted the Giants to resign him, I got a lot of negative comments back on that. And I think it's a true test to how much film you watch. I'm just going to be completely honest to those who think that McKinney should be resigned and those who don't, because box score wise, it doesn't really show up all the time for him. But you mentioned it really well there. The, the, the amount of roles he's playing for this defense from a mental standpoint, it, it's just you're not going to be able to just replace that anywhere, really. You're right, but I also think a lot of those people who are probably uh, having negative things to say about McKinney, at that time, there was a lot of negative energy around McKinney for comments after the game and, yeah. and things of that nature. So it was just this negative aura that was surrounding him that I feel like he's grown out of over the last like seven fair. or eight weeks. That's but I, I can't speak for all Giant fans. I'm just saying at that time, I remember a lot of Giant fans were a little bit against him. But when you do turn on the tape and you see what he does for this Wink Martindale offense and you see that he played every single snap or defense duh. That's what he right. said yeah he plays every single snap this season along with Bobby yeah, Okereke wow. I think there's three players in the NFL who did that and those are two of them on the Same Giants by the way that Wink is having people do that but it's all right I guess no I mean they're, they're athletic yeah, enough played to, like 84 percent of his snaps in his defense last year like yeah no well look, well look uh Okereke and Xavier McKinney both they're athletic enough to to be in any personnel package sure. and they're effective enough so Okereke was just a a slam dunk of a, of a signing this season, slam dunk. And I remember like the first two games we were like, yo man, holy crap. He started breaking out. And then when, once the Miami game came around, we're like, dude, he is freaking everywhere. Dude. I think I heard a stat at the giants over the last like five or six weeks. Are they like the number one defense in turnovers? I could be wrong there, but they've been just forcing turnovers, forcing turnovers last year. The giants, they were what they were last. They were tied for last with the Raiders in interceptions, I think they only had six interceptions last season. I don't even know how many they have this year, but it has to triple, quadruple that 
number. Yeah, it has to because they had that they had that one stretch where they won the three games with Devito, where they had like in six turnovers against Washington, another three in the game against Patriots, and or something they intercepting like Tua. Thirteen, like was- yeah, they had like thirteen intercept uh, turnovers in that in that one span. So they definitely had that. And um, I wanted to also talk about where this leaves the Giants uh, on from a draft standpoint. The Giants officially select now at sixth overall, and the pick they're acquiring from the Seahawks, the second round pick. I, I need to get that. I don't have the exact one on that. I know it fell a little bit after their win today, so I have to look at that. But the top of the draft order now is just interesting to me, Nick, because it's Bears, Commanders, Patriots, one, two, three, then Cardinals, Chargers, Giants. And I think if with Bears, my early prediction based on that, Nick, with Bears, pa- uh, Commanders, Patriots would probably be Caleb Williams. I don't buy into the bull, the bullshit, the BS hype about them keeping fields. I think they're obviously trading fields and resetting that. And I think, Williams straight up is a just better prospect than Fields always was, always is, and he's younger and he's cheaper. Um, and then I think the the the, the commanders with their new ownership are almost definitely going to go with one of the two quarterbacks, and I think it'll be Jaden Daniels. And then Drake May has just got Patriots written all over him. So I think there's this the way this shook out. There's actually a, a a very good chance that this if the if you're looking for the Giants get one of those three quarterbacks, this wasn't the greatest shakeout of the top three of the order. Now I still don't think that's that bad with what happened today because it would have happened anyway, even if the Giants had lost today, they would have ultimately ended up picking five and those same first three teams would be picking one, two, three. So you can't get mad or anything and say, oh, the Giants should have lost because it would have still been the same. I just think those specific three teams, Nick, is not great if you're looking for the Giants to get one of those three quarterbacks. I think before today, I had I had no real hope the Giants were going to get Drake May or Williams, but I had some the Williams. My only hope was maybe the Bears fields play so well they trade, but I didn't really love it. I had some hope for Jaden Daniels. I'm starting to get closer to ruling, not ruling it out, Nick, but ruling it out unless it's via trade up. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I see the Chargers picking right in front of the New York Giants right now. And I wonder what they're going to do because you have an aging wide receiver in Keenan Allen. You yeah. have Mike Williams, who is I a know wide what they're receiver. They're going to do, though. bud. What? Neighbors. Why not? That's what I'm thinking, but it's like, oh man, you you poured an you asset, yeah, in the first round, which I'm sure at this point they're like, yeah, we we messed up. You but know it's what crazy. they could do if they want to have a lot of fun? What's up? God, do they do this? I'm gonna have them on Sony Fantasy rosters. I don't want anyone listening. Kevin listens. To, a lot of my people, in my league, listen to this, but they could draft Brock Bowers and have some fun. <laughs> oh yeah, can you imagine yeah. that throwing Brock Bowers on that offense with Herbert? But it's Whew. still we don't even know who their coaching staff is going to be. Yeah. They need so many defensive pieces. I mean, fake sharp Brandon Staley was was there, and obviously he's oh, yeah. no longer there. So that's a <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be so fun. I'm I'm so excited for the draft. I've dove in, into draft research. We're going to start doing that soon enough as well. It's starting to uh, get me really excited. But yeah, no, this was a uh, back to the little Giants. Some more takeaways. Yeah, Wandell Robinson, bro. He looked freaking great again, man. His post catch ability is crazy. And if he didn't trip on that one play, that yeah. could have been even bigger. Like, I know he just looks awesome out there. Wandell Robinson. And also Darius Slayton. This is yeah. three weeks in we a row. That. He had a touch. No, I know we did, but wa- watching Darius Slayton now with again, a quarterback who was going to let it rip. You're right. seeing it. You're seeing who this guy can be. And I'm not saying Darius Slayton is this 1500 yard type of he's not but he is that good 900 he can get to a thousand and he is a big play threat he is the type of player that sudden change giants get an interception deontay banks gets an interception take a shot right off that interception on the first play that's darius slayton that's jalen hyatt as well 
And now we're seeing Wandale Robinson. If you want to run three man route concepts, if you want to run a sale concept where you have Darius Slayton clear out, you have the flat from the tight end, either Darren Waller or Daniel Bellinger. And then you have that number two being Wandale Robinson running the corner route. Wandale Robinson is thriving in that role. We saw him make, I think, one or two catches on that same specific concept in this game, and it's very natural. And the one thing I love about Wandale as well, he catches the football, boom, he's already headed north, man. He gets it and he goes. His transition from catching the football, securing it, getting north, staying low because he's a short dude and having that contact balance and also just having this awareness to, to, to really make defenders miss when they're diving at his legs. He's like good at like kind of like not jumping over people, but like leaping and, and getting his yep. feet off the ground to avoid trash, right? So, I mean, I've been really impressed with those two wide receivers specifically over the last couple of weeks. And we haven't even seen the upside or at least the perceived upside because he is getting a little bit long in the tooth of Darren Waller yet as well. So if the Giants can... If I the know Giants, what's going to happen on that front, Nick. I'm going to be the one of the lone people in the in the um, do tell optimistic side of the the what, what Waller will give the Giants next year. I know everyone's going to be oh he's ever injured, he's injured, he's injured. No, I, I'm on Team Waller next year. Obviously, it depends on what they can do at quarterback. I don't really think he's going to be that productive with Jones, but if they can upgrade there, then I then I'm definitely on Team Waller. Yeah, oh, so am I, man. Absolutely. And uh, I think the role with with a quarterback like Tyrod, for instance. Right. And that's another question. Let, let's just put it out there. I think Duggan might have tweeted it. Somebody might have tweeted it. I'm open to the Giants bringing back Tyrod. Me too at this point. And, and actually have a competition. It's just, are they the Giants find quarterback? Yeah, if they can't find anybody in the draft, I mean, the Giants probably won't do that, Nick. No, yeah, I, don't I don't think they will. But I also think it's funny that like two years ago, Emory Hunt said Tyrod Taylor was better than Jones in practice and fans just absolutely trashed the guy. <laughs> just told him he's the dumbest analyst in the history of the world. And it's like, eh, I kind of just watched a 2023 season and Taylor was objectively undeniably better than Jones. I know he had Justin Pugh and Jones didn't have Justin Pugh. Now it's, but, uh, it's, and he had Andrew Tom, an injured playing hurt it's, injured Andrew Tom. It's undeniable when, he's when you turn on the just off of what he's able to do. Now, Tyrod, in this game, I thought he was going on the IR like two or three times. That's always going to be an issue with That's Tyrod. That's the problem with re-signing him, too, by the way. If you're the Giants, you have yes. to deal with the injuries. But his ability to maneuver the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, extend plays, and allow his receivers to uncover against man coverage, zone coverage, it, it's just far superior to Daniel Jones. The ball right gets now. out of his hands, man. The ball gets out of his hands. He hand. stays in the just... pocket, and he doesn't roll right, and he his downfield throwing is undeniably better. It's because yeah. it's actually yeah. like probably top 10, 15 in the NFL. I know he doesn't have all the traits. He, he throws a lot of bad passes too, but as far as just downfield throwing and touch, dude, it's like accurate all the time and on the money. There was Crazy. a play. It was either to Waller or Wandell Robinson, where he put it perfectly over the top of this defender yeah, who was Waller in coverage. Yeah. I think it was, it was Waller. Filthy. And I was like, that is, that's a filthy throw. That's a beautiful throw by Tyrod. one hits him right in stride too. And then to yeah. two Slaytons back-to-back weeks. It's just, it's undeniable, at least what you're watching. But I mean, you can you can say it's only because of Andrew Thomas and Pew, but that's that's up to you if you want to make that. I might mean to get into that. But um, but uh, wait, what were you saying before? But uh, Let's talk about Wondell Robinson. Wondell, yeah. yeah. And Slayton. And I'll say this, Nick, a couple just minor guys I want to give shout-outs to here. They may not have future, they may. The first one being Eric Gray, because he got some run hey, today. Man, that was a really nice, tough run. The one where he like ran over the linebacker and just fell on three. Low and he did that yeah. center of gravity stuff that I saw on his college tape. And I'm like, this. I love running backs who are short. I've always been a big short running back. I feel like it gives you an edge when you're short. Chubb, Gore, like it just lets you have that low center of gravity and that contact balance. And I just think Eric Gray is going to be one of those guys that is going to be a surprising contributor next year. So I'm looking forward to him, him getting some action next year. And then Matt Parrott, like Parrott had an okay game today, right? At least on the broadcast angle, we'll see on the tape. But we'll like, 
this is like probably the best game of Parrot's career overall, and none too not too many glaring other, other than Washington 1.0. Yeah. His first game against Washington, oh, Washington like, yo, yeah, he can run like snaps or whatever. What was it, like 22 snaps? Yeah, no, yeah, it was. It wasn't a lot, but he had like three or four run blocks that were like. I know really that were like this dude is yeah. plowing in the run game. But yeah. I wanted to give them shout outs, and obviously you, you discussed McKinney. Who well, I'm glad he got that, and we'll have to see the tape to see some of the other obviously major big play contributors on defense and an overall just great performance by the defense. Obviously oh, yeah. they. Played Hurts for only a half, I get it, and A.J. Brown wasn't in and whatnot, but, and Devontae Smith, but still, yes, and still give them credit for that, and Wink especially for getting them to play that game, Nick. Yeah, they were everywhere. They were flying yeah, exactly. around. I absolutely love the energy that the defense played with, and the offense too, man, just uh, Tyrod leading them, but we have some questions if you want to get to some of these. So first, we have Jay Ferries. Jay Ferries, thank you. He says, Nick, can you give us a 30-second review from the Scouting Academy? Me and my buddy Mark Thompson want to go there. So the Scouting Academy is a is an academy run by former NFL scout, was a giant scout for a little while, worked under Dave Gettleman, actually. Uh, Dan Hatman, this was uh, before Dave Gettleman was the general manager, though, back when Jerry Reese was there. It's a course where they teach you trait-based scouting, what to look for. And then Dan and some of his teaching assistants, which I used to be one, they grade your evaluations. You watch like five games of certain players, specific players that they tell you to watch. And then you articulate yourself based on 10 position specific traits that you're going to go through and look at and evaluate the tape. Then you're going to write a summary of that player, submit it. They're going to grade it. They're going to tell you if you articulated your, your opinion well enough. And uh, then they're going to give you feedback on how to do that better. It was an invaluable resource for me, not just because the Scouting Academy taught me how to uh, synthesize or better articulate myself from an evaluation standpoint, but also from a networking standpoint. I met so many people who ended up going and now they work for the Atlanta Falcons. They work for a bunch of different NFL teams and I'm still friendly with them. You know, I met them down at the Senior Bowl, which the Scouting Academy gives you uh, an opportunity to go down to the Senior Bowl as well. If you don't have like a journalist passion, go through them. So it was an invaluable resource for me. When I went, I went back in like 2015. I was one of the first classes that went through and I'm still close to Dan Hatman today. He's an invaluable resource in and of himself and just having him on the phone just picking his brain is uh, something anybody who's looking to get into scouting should strive to do. So uh, you can also probably DM him. He'll tell you a lot about it, but it was a good experience for me, Jay Fares. Yeah, it sounds awesome to me. All right, David Goodman says, nice win, but despondent about completely screwing over our chance for a real quarterback. David, I get your your frustration when it comes to quarterback in general as a position, because I think it has been frustrating to hear some of oh, yeah. The, what people think about what's happening at quarterback with the giants over the last five years and what the actual tape shows. But I don't think you should be despondent over today's game because the giants blew their chance at the quarterback long time ago when they beat the Patriots in that game, they should, they, they could have easily lost, but Mac Jones handed it in and then he still missed the field goal. They, when they beat the backers, when they beat the, the Washington, the, the, the chance at those was, it, it was over. I mean, like I said, even if they had one uh, loss today, the giants, they only would have had the fifth pick because the Cardinals ended up losing that game. So, and the Patriots didn't beat the Jets. So ultimately this didn't really matter. I mean, you're not going to probably get a quarterback at five. You're probably not going to get a quarterback at six that in my opinion, as, as far as how it shook out. Now I could be wrong. Maybe Washington surprises us and they stick with Howell and they go with Marvin Harrison jr. I don't think that's impossible. The Patriots not going quarterback though, seems almost near impossible to me at that point. And I don't buy into the keep fields tra uh, trade the first pick either. So I think Caleb Williams is almost a lock to the bears. Yeah. I'm right there with you. What about the Cardinals? Cardinals, uh, you know, they've 
is publicly committed to Kyler Murray for next year with John. They Dan also publicly be. committed to Josh Rosen. I know, I know. <laughs> Different. Right? That's why I said yeah. publicly. So <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but I also don't think they're going to be in a position either with their pick. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's going on, Big Blue Banter listeners? I'm excited for the football season for several reasons. And one of those reasons is Prize Picks, which is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform. And it's so simple to use. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including professionals, sharks, and people who are going to exploit you, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you just watch the winnings roll in. It's very simple to play and gives you a little extra skin. I've set my picks in less than 60 seconds. There are so many stats to choose from, and the withdrawals of funds are easy and quick. Dan and I will be adding a segment to our show before every game where we pick our favorite stats, more or less, yards or touchdowns, what have you, and we'll be discussing why from a scheme, matchup, and game theory perspective. I love their promotions and how easy their interface is to operate at prize picks. I may select more on tackles for a loss from Bobby Okereke or Kayvon Thibodeau next game. They also do other sports as well. It's a really cool experience. Please join Dan and I in the fun of prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, go to prizepicks.com slash banter and use code banter for a first deposit match up to $100. You will not regret it. Make Little Caesars, the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, Part of your game day. There are few things better in the world than kicking back, watching some football, and biting into some delicious Little Caesars pizza. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday. And get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Old world pepperoni, pepperoni, extra cheese, Italian sausage, olives, onions, pineapple if you're into that put it on half the pie the entire pie there are so many other options that i don't have time to name slap that on a round crust a thin crust a stuffed crust a detroit style deep dish either way you win and speaking of winning everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup so grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Yeah. So we have. Uh, this is from SOS Archive. Says we have to move away from Daniel Jones. We're wasting Dable. Hmm. A fair yeah. case can be made that Daniel Jones, as a quarterback, does waste what Dable wants to do as a coach because Dable wants a vertically oriented offense that's going to attack on all levels of the field. So it is fair case to be made. Dable obviously made concessions for his offense last year with Jones. I think everyone knows that now. It's obvious at this point, and he figured out a way to win with Jones. Um, but it's fair case to be made. I, I, I don't think that's unfair take by SOS archive. Now, Dable wants to maximize his offense. And the best way to maximize your offense in the current NFL is to create explosive plays to force two high shells. And then you can run yes. the football and just attack through quick game, which the Chiefs have done successfully over the last three or four years. But Dable's a good coach. So Dable can scheme a, a system to Daniel Jones's uh, to Daniel Jones's traits. And that's what he did last year. The Giants were able right. to win a playoff game off of that. But how sustainable is that? That's the way you got to look at this. Like how sustainable is that? And does that give the Giants the best chance to win moving forward? I would argue no. I think a lot of Giant fans would argue no. So you want that type of verticality to win football games. And that's what we're hoping for and whoever the next quarterback is for the Giants for Brian Dable, who can easily scheme an offense around verticality like I like we saw with Josh Allen and how he was able to groom him and get him ready to be the quarterback that he is today. Sure. And I think to add to that point real quick, Nick, it's not just like verticality, right? It's just production. It's consistent production. When I said the stat earlier that the Jones hadn't had consecutive games with 250 plus passing yards since 2019, that means he went, you know, four seasons without doing it. I know he was injured for a bunch of those. But that's also part of the problem. So it's not just like hitting vertical plays. It's actually just moving the ball as a passer for more than 250 a game. More, you know, we can't go four years without having back-to-back -back games of 250 yards passing. It just, it just doesn't work like that. You don't win games like that. You, you know, you have a season occasionally where you face the AFC South and you grind to nine wins and you play Donatel's defense and you look amazing for a game. But like, the, it, it's just not a long-term, obviously, you know, plan. All right, Jay Ferries is back, and this one's for you, Dan. I want to hear from Dan, seeing Tyrod's touch passing. Do you feel more confident in Jane Daniels, who has a similar profile? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I haven't seen too much of Daniels yet um, as far as film goes, but I've seen a good amount of Daniels now broadcast wise. I, I really like Jaden Daniels because to me, the the the, I, the the upside with Daniels to me or just not even the upside. The floor with Daniels to me is he's so electric as a runner. And I mean electric. I'm not talking like this is like a boogie, woogie, woogie. 
let me think of like some good running quarterbacks that have come out lately because he's better than all of those. He's on the Lamar Jackson level. He had a run against Florida for like 80 yards. That was one of the most impressive quarterback runs I've seen in my entire life, and that includes Lamar Jackson. So with that floor alone, and like you said, the touch passing over the top that he's shown a good amount of, I do see a little bit of, you know, interest interest and intrigue in him in a system like Dables, but I'd want to see more tape on him. And I know Nick does as well. I also think there's a very good chance the Giants are not going to be in range to draft Jaden Daniels, given how the top of the draft shook out. We'll see what happens though. D kit D kit. What's going on? It says Taylor's play really creates tough questions for Shane. There is no doubt how Dable wants to play. It can't be denied that Jones limits the playbook. We add picks and cap space. If the object is to win, we have to address this. Yeah. I mean, we have picks, we have cap space to an extent, but it's just a matter of like the question they're going to have to ask themselves. And I'm, I'll pose this to you, Nick, as well throughout the off season is you have some cap space. You don't have a million dollars in cap. Yeah. And millions of bad word. You don't have a billion <laughs> yeah. dollars in cap space. You have some yeah. cap space and you want to use that cap space to improve the team around Jones. You're already stuck with paying no matter what happens. There's no way out. He has guaranteed money against the cap. That's it. And you want to help him by adding alignment, receivers, whatever it may be. Or do you want to use a valuable big chunk of that cap space to re-sign Taylor and create a competition at QB1 between Taylor and Jones? Because if they re-sign Taylor at this point, Nick, I think it's very clear and obvious that he will have the chance to compete to start at quarterback. I do not think he will be re-signing to be a backup behind Jones again. That just for a multitude of reasons. I don't think he would want to do that. I don't think he has to do that, given what he's put on tape. And I also don't think that the Giants would want to do that either. So it's just a matter of what is more valuable to you giving your team more competition to get some more upside at quarterback for 2024 or building a better team around the quarterback you already have, which is Jones. Didn't Garofolo today say that if Daniel Jones is done with his rehab and he's been rehabbing insatiably, he's going to be the starting quarterback in week one. Didn't he say something one. like that? They had, yeah. The expectation is the that he's expect, starting quarterback yeah. for week one. And that's Garofolo who is, by far and away the most yeah. connected Giants beat reporter. Exactly. In my opinion, these days and for the last five, 10 years, I'm not saying this to take a shot at any of the beat reporters, but it's just how life is today. Millennials are most of what makes up the league and even younger guys than millennials at this point, Gen Z, they don't really give information like they used to. I don't really hear any scoops out of Ron on or, and that's not just Ron on it's anyone really on the beat. You rarely hear scoops these days, but Garofolo is not that Garofolo has connections, deep ties into the giants building. But the reason I don't really make much of that, Nick is like, until April 26th, I don't really care what's said about the Giants quarterback and what they think about Daniel Jones and if he's their guaranteed starter in week one. Because if you're Joe Shane, are you going to come out here right now and be like, nah, we didn't like what we saw. The tape was pretty obvious. We can't do this with Jones anymore. Because then it causes and creates desperation for you as a GM. And it also puts you in a bad position because teams know you're going to be trying to trade up for quarterback. You're going to be aggressive and trying to get quarterback. So your best play is to actually say that you're good on Jones. Like if he even leans hard into this Nick and plays it like he played the cave on Thibodeau situation. Remember how there was some talk about, Oh, the giants aren't interested in cave on Thibodeau. I don't want him off field stuff. If he plays the Jones situation like that, this is kind of a, uh, you know, a different way to think about this, Nick, but if he plays the Jones situation like that and leans hard into this, like, Nope, we love Jones. It was just the injuries around him. He got unlucky with the injuries, Andrew Thomas, and you know, we're going to get this going. It actually could maybe convince some people 
especially if they have like fake leaks, like Mara really wants Jones back and he really believes in Jones. We've gotta do something. Yeah. It could create some fake shit around like some fake leaks type stuff that like maybe the giants aren't even more interested in trading up for quarterback. So now teams that are thinking of jumping the giants don't actually end up jumping the giants. Yeah. I mean, maybe, you know? but maybe, I don't know, man. There's going to be a, a little lot. too crazy. That's well, a little too I don't much. think it's a little too crazy. I just think with this quarterback draft now, there's a lot of quarterbacks. So maybe that might, you know, maybe like a, a team that's picking behind us will have like similar grades and they won't be as aggressive because of that. But I think if guys, if some of these teams like desire and love guys, there, there might be some trade. Not going to worry about where the giants are picking. Yeah. They're not going to, they're not going to Daniel Jones. Isn't going to stop them. Yeah, you know? probably like, right. But you know, the money tied into Daniel Jones that, you know, that that's something, right? It means something like next year. I think Daniel Jones makes up 18.94, according to Spo track, uh, percent Percent of the cat, which is crazy because no one else is. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's it's crazy. All right. Peter Pascarelli. How you doing? He says, appreciate all the draft work. You fellas are about to do. Thanks. Peter. Yeah. We're we're excited for it. That's the most fun. I hate to say, but every year drafts brings hope eternal, whatever that, that line is that I always get wrong. But like, Look, the best time to be a Giants fan these days is the draft season for now. And hopefully that can improve and change. Jake, thank you so much, Jake. Thank you, everybody. This is awesome. Thank he you, says Jake. Giants beating the Eagles means big blue banter gets paid. F them picks. Go G-Man. Absolutely love it. And thank Appreciate you so it, much. And I really love defeating the Eagles. I'm sick of every time I write these, like when the Giants have the football post before the Eagles games, I got to like reflect on how much the Eagles have owned the Giants. So yeah. I'm glad that now at least I can say, well, the last time Do we played them. On that? I'm curious if you have anything on top, if you just remember writing it. If not, no worries about it, Nick. Well, just like the last time the Giants won in Philadelphia was like 2013 against okay. Matt Barkley, which is insane. We had the Evan Ingram play, which was right there. We had overtime. The Giants now. won since 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 they made Jones the quarterback. Jake Elliott, sixty-one yard field. There's so many just egregious losses on our plate over the last decade. How many over- wins does Jones have over them against the one? Eagles? One, I think. Okay. Yes, and yeah, that was, was that hurts when hurts through that was, pick. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, he threw a lot of picks. They he threw, threw a lot of picks in that game. game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, terrible in that game. And he yeah. still should have threw a touchdown pass if Jalen Rager could catch. I know in that game they would have lost that game too. Oh yeah. man, that's crazy. Yeah, but so it's good to beat that team because I absolutely despise them. David Goodman again. Now this is something. Yeah, scouting report on Cam Ward, please. There's going to be a, a lot of scouting. I report. like Cam Ward. I, I like his game. I've only seen Cam Ward because I've watched Wisconsin. He's electric, man, and he's like a little tank at six foot two. Like he's got that lower half build you want for a shorter quarterback. And he's not that short at six two, but he's not that tall. But he's got that tank build in the lower half, which is like Nick always talks about. This like if you're going for these quarterbacks that are short, you don't want like the Bryce Young build. You want the mm-hmm. Kyler Murray thick build on the bottom. And it's it sounds weird to say, but it's actually really oh, important. Even, even, Baker, even Baker, like Baker Mayfield, short yep. quarterback, he barely scratches six foot, right. but he's thick. He's a thicker yep. guy. He can take to have a base, have to have the base. The way I look at it, man, is if quarterback's like 185 pounds and like five, nine, five, ten, like how Dexter Lawrence is going to flatten that guy. It's going to be yeah. like Squidward meme. It's going to be like over, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Just flat to the deck. I need somebody who has some thickness to me. Yeah. All right. We have uh, another one here from cheese. The moment is that, is that how you would say that? Seize the moment. Seize the moment. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Seize the moment. Good to see you guys and listen to you guys. Thank you. Are you guys going to do a final grades podcast soon? Mm -hmm. Early thoughts on Bonix. I'm sure we're going to have some sort of final grades uh, reflection on the 2023 season at at some point in the coming weeks. Just kind of a look back. There's going to be some, you know, coaching moves maybe. Uh, this week that we're probably going to have to address, but that's something that we'll definitely keep in mind and and go over 
uh, in the immediate end of the season. And then early thoughts on Bo Nix. For me, I, I feel like he's like 900 years old because he's just been in college for so damn long. But from what I've seen, the very little bit I have seen, and I haven't watched any All-22, big arm, physical, tough kid who runs a lot. But that's really all I got. Yeah, I need to watch. I need to watch Bo Nix. I really, I saw him play Washington this year. I watched that game live. I was, I think I was at a wedding or something and I was watching the hotel room on a Saturday. Nix versus, it was uh, Washington State, Oregon. But outside of that game, I didn't really see much Nick. So I'm going to need some time to watch Nick's and figure out where I feel about him. But I'll say this just from like the, I, I, you know, for me, when it comes to quarterback evaluations, I do like a lot of early, what I feel early with these guys. Cause to me, it's mostly a projection position and the tape is worth something, but it's the offense they run is just not translatable at all. The NFL for the most part, I don't love the traits with Nick's. I'm going to be honest early. It just doesn't give me the feel of NFL quarterback early, but I got to see more. Okay, D Kit comes back. Oh, Dan, this one's definitely oriented at you. We have to attack the vertical plane. The vertical plane is not mm -hmm. being attacked. Jones doesn't attack the vertical plane. Come on. You know, Dan. I learned that from you, by the way, Nick. I do I say do. it a lot more than you now, but I that's yeah. that terminology came from you. I stole it from you. But then oh, you yeah, the vertical plane. don't use it as much as I do. No, <laughs> I think it's a, a, a fine thing to say. Now there's I, there's some people that will be like, well, what does that mean? It's like, it's yeah, yeah. Like, of course you should be able to put together like what that means. But uh, give me one good vertical plane reference he wants. He said, oh, uh, <laughs> Jones doesn't attack the vertical. I don't know. I don't got it. I don't think I, I got to think about that. DK can't put me on the spot. <laughs> DK, you're the, man. you're the man. Christian H. Thank you so much, buddy. He says, can you guys expand on extending Tyrod Taylor. I wish he was the bridge quarterback instead of Daniel Jones. To be honest, after this season, he actually throws downfield and it's clear now. Christian, I do agree on you, with you. I don't know with the amount of money tied up in Daniel Jones, mm -hmm. how realistic it is that the Giants are going to extend Tyrod. And as we brought up a little bit earlier in the podcast, if I'm Tyrod Taylor and I can go to the Atlanta Falcons or I can go to right. a team like that where I can legit start, I'm going to go there. We'll have I'm a not chance gonna, to start. You we'll know. have a chance to start. Exactly. Like if he doesn't have a chance to start and he should have this knowledge as being in the building the last two years over Daniel Jones, who clearly now, like there is a good case to be made that Tyrod Taylor should be starting over a guy like Daniel Jones, but you know, money does talk, you know, the Maras sure. have a lot invested in, in Daniel Jones. If I'm Tyrod Taylor, why am I coming back to the New York Giants? Especially right. if my guys aren't there, like if Sterling Shepard's not there right. and if Saquon Barkley's not there. So I, I think there's a lot that kind of goes into this situation, but I would welcome him back with open arms, but I'm just some dipshit sitting in a chair. Yeah. Christian, if I think about this realistically, uh, to expand on it, I think if the Giants had gone the route of extending Barkley last offseason and franchise tagging Jones, this would actually be very realistic. Um, and I think if they honestly looked themselves in the mirror, this would be the yes. better route to take. Yes. But given the route they did ultimately go with the four four year, $160 million contract for Jones and the tag for Barkley, it just and now the fact that they also push some of that cap hit back on Jones to try to improve around them for the roster this year. And, you know, to the point where they can't even cut Jones next year, they, it's that big of a dead cap hit. I just don't think it's realistic. Now, I I won't be totally surprised. Like crazier things have happened. They may just say F it. Let's use that, you know, the cap space we do have left to bring back Taylor as well and have it be Jones and Taylor and have a real competition come out because it's possible they look at the film and think that. But there are also moments on the film, even in the last two games, where they're probably looking at it and like, you know, we can't really trust Tyrod because he misses that throw in the flat to Barkley on the two-point conversion. And, you know, the little things that he gets that he messes up and because, you know, watching him play, it looks like he's going to be injured basically every game. And he has been injured a lot. So there are negative reasons, of course, as well for that. So I don't think it's a slam dunk by any means. And I think given the contract situation, the Giants will not be re-signing. Tyrod Taylor would be my best guess. 
I'm wondering if the Giants opt if they don't go quarterback early in this draft. Still so much to play out, but someone in like day maybe round three, maybe round four. Could be round two, also like the Jalen Hurts. Could be round two. Could easily be be the Jalen Hurts range. It could be something we've seen that work out very well for certain teams in the sometimes. NFL. Yeah. Sometimes. Justin Boyce, thank you so much. Says, how many top 10 picks does Shane get to use before it's on him? Ooh, I like this question. Um, yeah, good question. I mean, it takes a little bit for that to actually because I'm not even yeah. look, the Evan Neal one does not look good. All right. Like that's a movie that you started and you're excited about. And then like halfway through, you're like, this movie freaking sucks. It better start wrapping up soon. We better start to, you know, get to the plot. Like what's actually going on here. Right. So uh Devin Neal doesn't look good. I'm not out on KT. So nah, it takes a couple a of years. Year. Yeah. It yeah. takes a couple. He had a he had a good year. Yeah. Like I, I um yeah. the one thing about K like I there was like a four or five game stretch where I was like really excited and then he kind of calmed down a little bit. It did down yeah. the stretch. Yeah. But um I uh yeah, I have to wait in like another what, like year at least at to least. to evaluate those two specifically, Evan Neal and uh, and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then those are the only two top ten picks that he had. So right. by the time we're with this top ten pick, it's going to be another two years. So at that point, the Giants still suck. Joe Shane's probably going to be out on his ass anyway. Right, right, Justin. It's a fair question. Um, I think ultimately what it comes down to is. He really, I, I personally don't think it can be understated how bad of a situation he inherited. Not just the cat mess that Dave Gettleman left him in, which was one of the worst in the history of the NFL, but just the fact that he didn't leave him with much holding over. Like so many wasted first round picks, Tony Baker, those should be on Chain's roster. He shouldn't have to just work from scratch essentially and retool the roster entirely. And if you are working from scratch, like you have to do it. But I'll say this, Justin, if Neil ends up being a mega bust and he has another top 10 pick that's a mega bust, that's enough probably before it goes on him. You can't have two mega busts in the top 10. You probably can't even afford one. So even Neil, to some extent, needs to turn around for him. I agree. And I think Gettleman inherited a bad situation. It's just been a bad situation yeah, at a bad situation for, for a very long time. And Gettleman had a, a ton of just really, really bad moves. But he did draft some players that are now core building blocks. Yeah, the Andrew Thomas, Dexter Lawrence. Maybe could Julian Love have been that guy? Because Julian Love, man, he's balling out in Seattle. My guy Julian Love. Is he balling out? He's a Pro Bowler. Oh, he made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, you know that. He wasn't having a good year from somebody on watching. Never mind. What's a Pro Bowl? But like from when I watched him, he seemed good. But I haven't like grinded through the all twenty-two of Julian Love. But I liked him when he was here. But uh, yeah, the Trash Man, Trash Man. Thank you so much. Oh, I love that picture. That is as Danny DeVito, Frank Reynolds, the one, the only. He says, "What about free agency or trading for a quarterback?" They seemingly liked Hooker. There might be some cheap options that they could work with. Yeah, I think this is where it gets interesting. If the Giants yeah. feel like they're not in position with falling to six in the draft and given like, I again, as I'll continue to mention all offseason, to me, it's really just who are those first three teams? Washington, New England, and Bears. Those are some of the three of the likeliest teams to take a quarterback. So if they look at that thing and they're like, yikes, well, we're never getting those guys. We're never be able to trade up to that. And well, we don't like what's left after Jaden Daniels, May, and, and Caleb Williams. They, in my opinion, will potentially look to free agency. It may not be Tyrod Taylor, but it may end up being something that, you know, I... <laughs> Russ Wilson on the cheap for three and a half million or something like that. <laughs> his career, like, cause that, cause look, the, the, the giants are very similar position. I've been to where the bucks were last off season at the quarterback position. The bucks were like, we can either roll it with, with, you know, Trask who sucks or 
give Baker a chance at 3.5 million or whatever he signed for and ended up being like, what are you laughing at? Trask? The trask uh, just how you, you compared the Bucks to the Giants. You're like, yeah, Trask, who sucks. <laughs> like yeah. such a veiled shot at. A oh, no, I didn't even mean to take the shot at Jones like that and that. I just mean like, like, but I mean, it is like a sh- I didn't mean it like that, but obviously, I, but I do believe that the Giants don't have much at quarterback right now. No, I, I think you're, I think your point. You, you make the a good point wasn't to even take a shot at Jones. I want to no, make no. that clear. The point was just like they were in a position at quarterback where it's like we can't really. Here's the point. The point is Bucks weren't in position to draft a quarterback. And so if the Giants feel like they're not in a dr- position to draft a quarterback they believe can be a franchise changer, it might be worth it to take a chance on somebody like that. I don't really like Russ and I think he's broken, but there might hopefully be something else interesting out there. I, I don't know. Hooker, I don't think the Lions are going to trade after one year, though. No, I, I can't imagine that they would. Yeah. But I'm trying to think of who is that free agent quarterback. Is it like a like I'm not sure if James Ross is about the only intriguing one, essentially. Or what what about like somebody like a James well, Winston or somebody no, like that? No, no, no. I think he's now, I don't even know if he's a free agent, but I'm just saying yeah. somebody who has experience in the league who maybe if you get with a really good coach, you can get right. something out of if Daniel Jones is not healthy or not ready to play for whatever reason. If that or if he plays and sucks again. Or like if he, he plays and he sucks again. Exactly. Right. So my my point is though, there yeah. are guys out there like that. Baker Mayfield was the optimal guy for that last year to the point where right. a lot of us were like, that might be a good move because he looked very capable and competent with Sean McVay when he had that, like what five or six game stretch True. with the Rams down the stretch of the season. I just don't know if there's a guy that's comparable to, to Baker Mayfield right now, who's going to be a free agent who can be available on the cheap other than right. Russell Wilson, who there's like, there's a lot to kind of unpack with the Russell Wilson situation and everything that happened with him. I completely agree. I've got Jay Ferries again. One question. Thank you so much, Jay Ferries. If we built a lights out offensive line, do you think Daniel Jones could be the guy? So for for me, it it all comes down to he has to he has to do a better job targeting down the field. Look, Daniel Jones has not had a great offensive line. Not a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL have elite offensive lines. It's not like elite offensive lines are all over the place, and there are still <laughs> quarterbacks who will target down the football field. With Daniel, he he just doesn't really do it unless it's pre-snap confirmed middle of the field closed. I have a one-on-one matchup and I'm I'm going to look off the safety and I'm going to take that. But that's very rare in and of itself, at least since the Jason Garrett era. We saw that a decent amount in 2019. So can he get back to that, that kind of confidence? Maybe, but it does not seem like a natural trait that Daniel Jones possesses. He is much more of a, I'm going to look uh, in front of me and then deep and not deep target deep. And if that's definitely not there, then I'm going to check the football down. Yeah. I, I don't even know if it's like as much that Nick, as it's just, he's just doesn't know how to process things post snap. Like, I don't know if it's like, he's looking short. I just think the whole process is just really confusing to him and, and slow for him. And it's not just even before the snap, it's really pre-snap where he really struggles as well. Daniel Jones, there's just not a lot of good examples of him getting them into the right checks and understanding the coverages he's seeing and then finding quick solutions with, with checks that he makes before the snap. So, I mean, in a, this is ha- this is obviously a hypothetical question, Jay Ferries, because the giants aren't going to have time to build a lights out low line by the time Jones would still be on the roster at that point. So it's like, as they're not going to do it in one off season, right? Like they're not going to be able to go from this O line to elite in an off season. So I guess just asking, you know, hypothetically, if Jones can then sign with somebody who has an elite O line, I think Nick kind of said it right. I, I, he'd have to change his processing fast in, in year seven in the NFL. So I don't know if there are too many examples of a quarterback really retooling his processing and, you know, mentally getting, taking this massive jump in year seven, but you know, I guess you, we would never know. So maybe he can be an outlier in that sense. 
And then our final question, Jason Benjamin. Jason, thank you. He says, if we don't draft a quarterback and keep Daniel Jones, what would a successful offseason look like to you? And what positives do you take from this year? I like this question. Yep. Successful offseason. Look, what does it look like to me, Jason? It would be improving the offensive line first and foremost. That would be number one for me. Or finding them a elite alpha wide receiver one. Or both, if they can somehow find a way to do both. Actually, successful offseason, best case, would be those two things. Defensively, there are things I want to. I really want another standout corner for Wink system. But I'll put those secondary for now. Getting an alpha wide receiver one with that sixth pick, if it's possible, if they believe one of those guys outside of Harrison Jr. is an alpha one, neighbors, a duns, whoever they might view that as, if they view that as. Or, or you know, finding a way via free agency, via the draft to just really somehow turn this offensive line around entirely. That would be what I would consider to be a successful offseason. And then to answer your second part, what positives do I take away from this year? I think Kayvon Thibodeau grew. I know he had a little bit of a, of a light stretch at the end. I think Dexter Lawrence was even more dominant. I think they learned that they probably have something in Deontay Banks. I'm not ready to con consider it a guaranteed lockdown corner, but probably have something pretty good. I think they learned that they could turn this linebacker unit around in a single offseason, and they have some serious juice there with Okereke and with McFadden there as well. I think also the positives are Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton. I mean, you look at the numbers, dude. Darius Slayton's open all the time on film. Darius Slayton's open all the time by the game charting. He can do well if he has a quarterback who can actually find him. And Jalen Hyatt, I think, can do the same thing. So I think the positives to me are the system still can generate explosive plays with the right quarterback operating it. Um, and yeah, so I would consider all of those things positives. Yeah, just to extrapolate on that a little bit, I would say Wanda Robinson, which I know you you yep. would agree on that, just to him coming back from the injury and, and looking as as just quick and as physical as he has looked. Um, but yeah, I would say offensive line, uh, cornerback edge room is the other one that I really wanted to add. And there's just so many other questions. I would like to retain Xavier McKinney. Uh, does it, is it an unsuccessful off season? If we don't know well, what's going on in the game, Dan, the bills, nah, I just, I they gotta, score? I gotta, yeah, bills are in third and goal now. Oh, okay. Damn. Got I'm a nice it. little wager riding on the bills minus three. All right. Bills minus three. Everybody let's pull for that. But yeah. So, um, for me, it's it's mostly everything that Dan said. But Dan, you have anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no more questions. No more of those super chats. No, sir. All right. Well, then, if that's it, then we can we can jump out of here. Thank you to everybody who tuned into the Big Blue Banter podcast for the 2023 season. Uh, we know it was another trying one. It was a tough <laughs> one. So we appreciate you hanging with us. It wasn't what we wanted any of us, but it's over now. <laughs> it ended with them beating the Eagles. So you got that. Oh, wow. Josh Allen just threw the stupidest pick I've ever seen. Oh, he threw a pick. God, it was, was it Ramsey. Yeah, this is such a Josh Allen pick. Oh my God. I don't know what happened. There's like a miscommunication. Like he, Josh Allen has Josh so Allen? many of those like Eli Manning type picks. Remember where it was just like, who are you throwing it to? And it's like, Oh, we find out later the receiver and the quarterback just like weren't on the same page at all. And it was like Ruben Randall, not understanding Eli. Like, dude, when you see this coverage, you break here and you sit in that zone. And Eli's just like, what the fuck is going on with Ruben Randall? But Eli would never like call them out. Though. Never he called out. Like, never once blamed it on. Did he catch that? Oh, he got his hands under that too. I think God, that was a good catch. Well, we got that going for us. If you're, if you don't have it, so and if you bet the bills, but anyway, thank you so much for tuning in this season in a rough season. And you know, we're going to, we're going to 
power through and we're going to have some of our best content coming this offseason. That's when we get to think about the 30,000 foot view stuff, the roster building, get into the draft nitty gritty, start to watch tape on these guys, have the fun that comes out of that. Bring on dra- our best guests coming the offseason. We get draft people. We get all sorts of people. We're going to I'm looking into getting a couple Giants players on the podcast again this offseason, maybe some returning players and maybe uh, a new player that I that I mentioned, Nick, that I might have a connection to that we might get on the podcast if I can if I can pull it off. We'll see what happens there. But that's when our best content comes. And that's kind of how it is being a Giants fan these days. You root for the draft. You root for, you know, the offseason where you can hopefully build things better. But we do appreciate it. This was a rough season, and it was unexpected after the playoffs. We all expected this to be at least competitive, and it just it just simply wasn't um, for the most part. But it ends with a win over the Eagles. So I mean, it's just like a fitting end to a season like this, Nick, right? They beat the Eagles, and they crushed the Eagles by multiple scores. But thank you again. Keep it locked and loaded. It's turned into off season after this. We are probably going to do some review on this game, though, because it was a fun one to watch, and I just know that both Nick and I will want to watch the tape on this one. But um, – Other than that, thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your night and week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.